right, everybody, welcome back. This is episode 31 of the Recovery Lab podcast series. My name is Drew Hassan. I'm Daniel Anderson. We are the Recovery Lab. We are joined today by Russ Schulte. And I have to say, uh, this is one of the more exciting. I hadn't been this excited in a long time. Uh, Russ is a local therapist and is going to um, give us his expert opinions and thoughts and analysis on internal family systems. Yes. Did I get that right? Yes. That's right. So a little history here. Uh, Daniel and I made poor choices together and didn't see each other for a while. And then when we came back around together, he was expressing to me how, uh, what a big difference, you know, his life, had you know, how his life had uh, developed and cited his work with internal family systems as one of the main reasons leading to uh, something of a you know breakthrough of sorts breakthrough of sorts and i have not really paid much attention to it although i've heard him talk about firefighters and things which you'll learn more about here directly uh but it's really really very interesting so uh i've spent the last few days and especially last night watching a lot of videos on youtube about it and it's really an interesting way to view things so i don't want to all right uh, support the podcast. We need y'all's money. Help us out. <laughs> buy a t-shirt. Buy a hoodie. Y'all know I want to hop right to it and save precious minutes. Uh, buy a hoodie. Buy a t-shirt. RecoveryLabLLC.com We take donations. You can uh, throw us a bone on Patreon and get some special Patreon-only content. So let's hop right to it. Let's get to it. All right, Russ, thank you, thank you, thank you. And what's internal family systems, man? Yeah, thank you for having me. Uh, get to be on the 31st podcast. That's Recovery right. Lab, so I appreciate that yes, sir. invite. Um, so I think maybe as a precursor, um, you know, there's going to be kind of a, a continuum of uh, kind of where people are in their understanding know whether it's like I've never heard of this before at all and this is kind of like the first time I've ever kind of thought about this kind of things to people that are probably listening that have been involved with like some form or fashion of doing some IFS work for themselves and uh, so you know I think it's important to kind of highlight that because people that have never heard of this it can be kind of a little bit of a, a whiplash effect uh, if they're able to really kind of hang in there and uh, and kind of engage with the, the information and the content. Well, just so that people have a general idea of, so IFS is a certain type of cognitive behavior therapy, uh, dialectic behavior. I mean, is it a form unto itself, or is it under the umbrella of some other talk therapy? Um, well, it's, it's um, I guess... It's a psychosocial model, but then it also, like I think Dick, Dick Schwartz is the, uh, the person who's kind of brought this um, model forward and developed it over the past really 40 years, I think. Um, and he would actually kind of shift to more of a psychospiritual model, which is kind of an interesting thing because, you know, Dick Schwartz, if you've never heard of him, like if you listen to... Um, what he shares about his story, you know, he kind of grew up in like a, in an academic uh, 
family, his dad, I think, was a doctor, and his brothers and such were all in kind of very high white-collar professional kinds of experiences. And so a lot of his upbringing was all about scientific method. It, it wasn't really kind of a spiritual kind of experience. So, you know, that was kind of one of the things that led him to kind of the discovery of the model, which is, um, you know, when we talk about the model, it's, it's really about how our experience inside is um, kind of informed by a framework to understand like our all of our experiences, the complex nature of our thoughts, feelings, beha- uh, impulses, sensations we may even feel inside. Um, and and it's, it's kind of understanding it through the lens of we have many different parts of who we are, and they're all very distinct and autonomous from one another. Um, and so why that's such a huge shift is that we kind of are a culture, um, kind of the widely accepted kind of framework is that we have one mind and everything that we experience comes out of that one mind. Um, so, you know, that makes sense. Um, and, and because it's more widely accepted, like when you start talking about, yeah, we have these different parts and, you know, even the model would go on to say like, they are like sub personalities, um, you know, immediately people will go to their mind like, oh, is he talking about like people he who are crazy? crazy? Yeah, you know, um, and, and so, you know, like we were talking about before we came on air, um, you know, because of that mono- monolithic, monolithic mind that we kind of all operate generally from, like anything outside of that is a deviation and, and therefore it's kind of pathology, right? So we need to kind of find ways to manage it, redirect it, shut it down. You know, it's, it's kind of like a, a more of a mono mind kind of way of thinking is, you know, if I have uh, a desire to eat and compulsively, you know, go grab the box of Oreos and I'm going to have just one, but I eat like the whole bag, right? Like then you start to think, oh, there's something wrong with me. Like why can't I control this urge to fight my compulsivities around food, right? So like that that would kind of lead to kind of treatment of that by trying to help them kind of think about the way that they think towards the food and try and get them to change their mind about it, this very behavioral kind of changing behavior orientation. Um, and it's not to say that IFS is not about wanting to kind of bring change to behavior. It's just the way that it goes about ends up being just really a much more compassionate and um, gentle way of dealing with yourself. Well, it's easier to conceptualize than hearing things like id, ego, Jung's shadow. Mm-hmm. I mean... It gives some some skin in the game because these parts, right, everybody, we're going to try our best to get a description. It, maybe if you held up the the page. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know if that, that that's not going to work. It's not going to work. At all. Uh, okay, so would it be easiest if we asked you questions or you just started laying out like, how this works. I, th- I think that's what, I, I, yeah, I, I think because Russ has a tremendous amount of knowledge surrounding this this topic. So 
what I think we should do, and hear me out, is let's let's start at the beginning. You've already already started talking about what you know the the, the background of the um, of internal family systems. So let's let's work on um, identifying the the parts, the managers, the firefighters. Let's let's do let, let's just help people that perhaps have never heard of IFS before. Let's lay it all out in, in terms that they could possibly understand. And I'm, I'm speaking from my own personal experience with working with you. And I just want to tell the listener um, that the working with, before I started working with um, internal family systems, there was, um, I, I, I just felt as though I, I, d I was a bad person. I had, I did horrible things that I didn't necessarily want to do. I acted out on a regular basis and then would feel unbelievably guilty about acting out. And that would just lead to more and more shame and more and more guilt. And it wasn't until I sat down in Russ's office that I was able to understand that for me, there are, there are different parts. And so I began to understand about the firefighter parts and understand about the, um, the exiles and the managers and, and self ultimately. So what I want to, to be able to offer our listener and our viewer is a way that they could reap the benefits of all of that those incredible things that I learned after speaking with you numerous times in numerous sessions, but perhaps compressing that into something that is bite-sized that would also do the same thing, but I know it's a tall order, <laughs> but um, but you know will fit within the time constraints that we have here. So let's start at the beginning. Um, of you know we, we've discussed um, Dick Schwartz we've discussed um, how he developed it let's let's dive into the specifics of what these parts are and how the, the how those un the understanding of those parts could could potentially um, drastically improve the quality of life for someone who's like me or not like me somebody that's regular not an alcoholic or an addict to be able to identify those parts and then learn how to, to, to talk with all of those parts and communicate with those parts, listen to those parts, understand those parts, ask those parts to speak to you. And from that, I, I personally gained a, a self-love that I never would have been able to achieve had I not been able to directly understand why I acted the way I did, why I said the things I did, et cetera, et cetera. So if if you will let's 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 try that you good with that Drew? yeah let's get on let's let's, let's do this let's do it yeah so i think just to kind of say this like why i brought that up at the beginning of like monolithic versus kind of a multiplicity way is if you are operating from a monolithic mind this is going to be really hard to kind of translate um and it's kind of corny yeah, it's, it's it kind of woo-woo. It feels right? corny. Like, sure, sure. And, and that's why, like, it's really important to kind of, like, lay the case, I guess, that this is actually more normal than it is abnormal. Like, this is actually the way we're made. Like, this is everyone, every human that has uh, an you know, internal experience has different sub-personalities. We're multiple personality. The difference between, like, a multi -pers multiple personality disorder uh, or what it's called now is dissociative identity disorder, um, is that the, the folks that are kind of... Um, On the far end of the spectrum? Yeah, 
their internal system because of just horrific trauma has exploded. And so the parts of them have taken on and these really And it's pretty rare. Roles. I mean, <laughs> it, it, I think TikTok makes it seem like it's much more common than it is. What, to be on this extreme spectrum? Yeah. That well, maybe, maybe. But, I mean, it doesn't negate from the fact that this is something that all people have. We are, we are born with these different parts, yes? Yeah, that's that's kind of the, that's the idea that right. I... Right. So whether you understand it, believe it or not, we're, we're still dealing with... No, I'm talking about people that have various distinct, exclusive personalities. Like, I'm Bob right now. And then in a few minutes, if I feel threatened, I transition to Sharon. Bob smokes, Sharon doesn't. Susie right. likes vodka, and Rachel's in AA, and they all live in there. And right, yeah. Could that be tied back tied back to extreme trauma? That oh yeah, that, that's that's what I'm talking about. Is those that have been diagnosed with DID, or formerly multiple personality disorder. They've experienced something in their life that's often very complex. That it fractured. It fractured them. Well, that's actually not true. That. So we might come back to this because I, I don't want to get in the weeds there. But I think it's important just to have that kind of sense of being open to the idea that maybe what I'm saying and what ultimately has I've experienced uh, in my work with people in my office, my own personal work, uh, and then those that I just have relationships with, um, that this is a potential reality that maybe you've never considered, right? So so to kind of s switch into uh, what is IFS, it is essentially being able to understand that there are kind of multiple parts of yourself, your experience, and these parts have different roles within yourself, right? So exiled parts are parts of us that, um, you know, have essentially kind of received or experienced or absorbed or internalized something uh, of a traumatic experience. Um, and therefore, like when they get activated, it brings a certain level of intensity that that ends up kind of uh, maybe creating or what is the next category of manager parts. And these are parts of us that, um, you know, essentially kind of help us control that exile and keep it kind of hidden. The, the video I, I watched, the one that made the most impact on me, was that the exiles are considered the remnants of trauma, and they're things that our brain vows never to feel again. Fear, terror, horror grief, sadness, shame, rejection, abandonment. This is just a list off this page I've got. Mm -hmm. Physical pain, emotional pain, sexual assault, disgust, and then the brain has, so we've got the exiles who your brain is trying to protect feeling again or defend against and to employ as counter uh, a counteroffensive, we have managers and firefighters. Yes, and the managers are the parts that 
are the ones trying to create strategies in our life to keep those parts safe. And to be fair, like within a systems like kind of way of thinking, like this is how every system organizes itself. The most vulnerable parts of a system become protected, and the ones that have you know kind of the sense of protection step up front, right? Like our military because they're more expendable. They can be damaged more. They may have more resilience. Sure. Right? And and so, like, within, like, that, that's on every level. That's on, like... Um, You're talking about in general. Just, just military, systems. you mentioned. Right, right, right. Like, within, like, a country, like, you have people that are very vulnerable. You have politicians who kind of manage things. And then you have military that's going to come in if there's a threat to that country, right? Or the managers can't manage it. Right, like it, that's a very oversimplification, but just that's right. kind of a way of understanding. That a good way to think about it. I've never thought about that before. Yeah, and so I mean, there really, I think systems are everywhere, right? You know, you think about anything. Uh, this was an idea I was kind of playing with in my head before we came. Uh, just the idea that everything that we encounter has some level of a system in it, right? Like think about, you know, um, space, you know, that's, that's one big idea, but within space, there's all these different clusters. Rules and rules, right? Organization. So from like that meta level all the way down to like, the only reason you and I are sitting here is because of a system, like our family. We had to have a mom. We had to have the dad. Otherwise, we wouldn't exist. Right, so that we're born into a system, right? That's why a lot of people, when you hear them talk about, well, we're relational beings, like that's kind of alongside of that same kind of idea. You look inside of our intrapersonal experience, right? Like our bodies have different systems that help us function, right? Our brain has different systems and different layers that, you know, interact with one another that create the way our brain functions. So why would it not be, you know, kind of commonplace that we would think our internal kind of psychological system is the same way. You know, that that's that's kind of a composite. Yeah, like like we have lots of different parts. Constituent parts. Right. That organize themselves to kind of help us survive. So we we've we've established that we have an exile and give me a typical description of a manager so a manager there's all kinds of different types of managers there's you know managers that um, kind of help us keep time you know so as we're like maybe in the middle of something and we're kind of thinking you know oh what's the time what's the time Um, you know we have managers that help us stay organized we have managers that help us you know know how to interact with people you know, like make those assessments of like, okay, this person is, you know, this way and I need to respond to them in this way to avoid, you know, kind of having a conflict, right? Um, We have managers that um, help us go work out, you know, if you do. (laughs) (laughs) We have, you know, any any kind of um, kind of functional activity that we're involved in, there are managers that are involved in like, of helping us so uh when i use my debit card i have become pretty anal about writing down how much i spend Mm -hmm. 
that is a manager. It's a manager that's helping you. Daniel and I, the past few months, have really been kicking ass and going to the gym. <laughs> so that manager has been working overtime. Yeah, yeah. The thing that will direct that I go straight home after this podcast is a manager. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, even right now, as we're engaging over this content, our managers are all at the table. Right, like they're helping us come come up with like words. They're helping us think about well, what are the problems here. What what are the solutions? Like how do we, you know, they arrange cognition. Um, like I have I'm a manager that is thinking. Right. That made me ask that question. Right. That right. right. Wanted exactly. to know if managers control cognitive function and decision making. Um. Yes. I, I don't know that it's like they're mad scientists back there in the room kind of making it happen. I think that it's just parts that are acting in a way that they were uh, designed to act. Okay. Right? So, um, and then there are firefighters, right? Firefighters right. are... I, I want to get... Yes. <laughs> there are these protectors, like managers and firefighters are both considered protectors. When y'all hear what all is considered a firefighter and that he calls it a protector... I think you're going to be surprised. Yeah. So, yeah. well, that that's like the shift that when you have a shift in the way I was talking about at the beginning, you have a way of being curious about something rather than moving straight to judgment, right? And that's th that's a manager, right? When we have a critical kind of like somebody that you know we just unload on, that's like not unload like as an angry, but like call them names or whatever it's like they're trying to manage their behavior to, you know um so we can have like an, an internal critic right that can just like wear us out yeah we make a choice like some choice we happens and and like immediately we're just like you know calling you names whatever you know and and that could be really intense right but firefighters are kind of like parts that react as a way to protect, managers are much more of like a proaction, right, to protect. So when... So I've got this ongoing thing where I snap at my kids mm -hmm. and then later I tell myself, okay, I'm never going to do that again. <laughs> and then one of them irritates me no end and I kind of flash out at them. And so that's a manager. The flashing out is a firefighter. Okay, the yeah. thing that feels... The manager that is the one that says, okay, I'm never going to do that again. Okay. Right, I'm assessing what I did wrong, coming up with a plan, I want to do it different next time. And then inevitably, when you feel that energy from mm. your kid, that part of them that's coming out, the firefighter, firefighter shoots in and tries to shut them down. So other things that are firefighters are addiction, mm -hmm. self-harm and cutting, anger, rage, impulse disorders, panic attacks... Sex addiction, pornography addiction. Yeah, when I was I listening to this video, <laughs> I thought it's it's a it's a different way to view things. To think of those things as serving a good good purpose, yeah, as and being pr pr they're protective, they're damaging my life. Right, right, right. So, how did I uh, FS determine that those things are? and say good but they're well the parts are, are, are good okay the, the behavior that they have is not good right the behavior is a strategy 
right? And that strategy becomes like an identity. So when I think if I use drugs or I self-harm, like engage in self-injurious behavior, like those things have a bad, it's bad behavior, Mm -hmm. but underneath it, the intention that of that firefighter part. has kicked off because it wants to do something admirable, which is protect these trauma remnants, these exiles. Well, yes. Okay. So these roles are all kind of just a part of everyone, right? They have we have these different parts that have different roles, right? But really, what kind of creates a lot of like more compulsive patterns of behavior like these firefighters coming out a lot you know um, and in extreme ways like addiction or suicide or self-harm or whatever those parts that kind of motivate and influence those kinds of extreme behaviors is because what the model calls burdens right so a burden is like an experience a thought a feeling a belief a feeling state or a belief that is kind of internalized or like lands on our exiles through past experiences that were traumatic, right? So, for example, um, you know, I'm trying to kind of think through which would be the most easy to. Um, so, if you have a very perfectionistic parent, right? Like, just say they you you have a mom that's very perfectionistic. That that means that manager part in her is trying to manage her life by trying to make everything perfect. And the reason that part's doing that is because it's helping soothe and protect an exile in in them. Right? But the 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 impact of that behavior, that perfectionism, is that a child will experience that behavior and they'll say, Oh, the only way that I can feel connection is if I have a part that develops and says, I'm going to be perfect too, right? And the reason it does that is because the implicit message that's kind of burdened on is that if I don't be perfect, I'm not going to be loved, right? And, and By the mother. Yes, like, yes, in that, in that scenario. In yes. that scenario. So that burden lands, and, you know, in, as a child, you're going to receive that and kind of implicitly say, well, there's something wrong with me, right? And that's the burden, the belief that there's something wrong with me. I'm not worthy to be loved because I'm not good enough for my mom, right? Like, so that's the burden. And then that develops kind of these more extreme roles that managers have to try and prevent that from kind of ever being triggered again. So they become perhaps more perfectionistic know and trying to make your life together and you know it it's um yeah so i'll stop stop there and see if you have a question what happens when all right so for the listener and for my own edification managers and firefighters are morally indifferent in the ifm system ifs system they're 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 not good or bad. They just are. No, the the it, they're good. They're good. Yeah, they're, they're good. So even and like what I was saying, like the the perfectionistic mom again, that behavior has a real significant impact. 
but the intention of that part behind the, the strategy is I'm trying to take care they of They have this. admirable motives. Yes. Okay. And so I've got a couple questions. One, what do you do when there are two conflicting parts? To use your example, so a manager, the thing that helps you uh, maintain punctuality mm -hmm. and responsibility with your scheduling versus the firefighter that purposefully is that procrastinates, that purposefully self-sabotages. Uh, how do you how do you reconcile that internal conflict? Um, well, that's called really in the model polarization. So you have two parts that are kind of competing to try and lead. You know, so addiction is often just the polarization, the firefighter that says this is what we need to do in order to soothe this exile that's getting triggered. And the manager says, no, this is not what we got to do because if we do that, this is going to cause more problems, so we need to manage the firefighter. And so that polarization happens. And in those situations, firefighters will win. Right? That's addiction. So we haven't mentioned probably, well, it is the most uh, important aspect of this work. Self. Self, right? And self is, you know, what um, is kind of funny because when Dick Schwartz talks about it, um, he like forgets <laughs> what the qualities of self are. But it's, it's the eight C eight words. C's? Yeah, he did in Correct. the lecture I watched last night. Right. Like, so it's pretty funny. But, you know, self energy is kind of what the model calls. Um, and it's really kind of a, a, a state of qualities. That include curiosity, calm, compassion, um, clarity, clarity, courage. courage, and then creativity and connectedness. Right. So, yeah, I was yeah you got it. Yeah. Impressive. Okay. Uh, Move over, Mr. Schwartz. <laughs> and and so like this is something in every person, right? And this is the you know kind of the key to healing. You know, it's called self-leadership, right? So when parts kind of get burdened, it's like self, it's like the sun, and, you know, parts are like clouds. You know, they kind of cover the, the sun, right? Self gets covered up by, you know, parts that are trying to do, make you survive, help you kind of function. And if they're really, like, burdened, they're going to be operating out of a lot of fear, right? Like, if we don't do this then we're going to face some real serious consequences and backlash, right, like emotionally, uh, not just like, you know, consequences in your life. It's going to be like tapping into that exile burden. Is the reason this is so how, – how – is the reason this is successful is because it helps a person visualize – these things, these these various facets of their personality, and you kind of put some skin in the game, so to speak. I mean, if you're a visual learner, this would absolutely appeal to you. Let, let me just say this real quick, and this bodes to your expertise and your uh, seemingly 
um, unbelievable ability to understand that I needed a visual representation in order for me to be able to grasp this theory and this this way of life and this thought pattern. So, ladies and gentlemen, I felt like a complete fool, but Russ said, okay, I want you to look around my office. <laughs> I want you to I want you to pick out certain things that are in my office that, that we can set on the middle on the center of the floor that represent your parts and, and we'll talk about these parts and how they can you know how they what what they are and what they look like and what they do. So like a little child I walked around your office and I was picking this off your desk and this off your little bookshelf and this and I was like, oh my God, I feel like a complete fool. But I like I hey, I'm, I'm I'll trust you. Let's 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 give it a shot. So so we, we came up with like eight or ten things or something maybe. Um, just complete random objects. Like if you if you were a fly on the wall and you looked in, you'd be like, this guy, like he's this is some cornball. Clear, <laughs> clearly lost his mind and <laughs> there's no hope for him whatsoever. So, um, but but what you did was you walked me through and you helped me to identify. Okay, this is this part. This is what this person does. This guy does, and this is why he's doing this. This is this part, and this is what he does, and this is what he's doing. And for someone that had no idea how all the systems in my head. I just knew that there were a million different things going in my head at all times. It just sounded like a big, loud restaurant, and there was no clarity whatsoever. So you you doing that and having me actually grasp these things and be able to have a tangible thing that I can associate, okay, this is a manager, this is a firefighter, and then have them all sit right in front of me was the most valuable thing. So please continue to do that for folks because – it was unbelievably important for me, uh, and then and then what we would do is we would identify these parts, and then you you walk me through and help me understand how these different parts can connect with each other or do connect with each other, and how this part helps this part, how this part helps this part, and for me being a visual learner, um, that was the ticket, that was the key for me to be able to understand that that how this thing that this guy invented years ago could actually be the one of the things that of benefit of, of tremendous benefit to me so and then we all we we, re, we we kind of for the next two or three um sessions we came in and we we had a conference we asked all of those parts to come in and sit on the couch and then self was at the front of the couch in the front of the room and we just had a discussion we had a, a, a legitimate discussion with these parts we listened to them. We under we, we tried to understand. We we gave them compassion and love for bringing this information to us and helping us understand. And it was those things that really helped me to latch on. So uh, that's <laughs> one of the reasons that I'm just I, I was so excited about this episode because it's it's so incredibly valuable and it's such a large part of my of my life. So sorry to go off on a tangent there, yeah. but so. Well, and, and if people don't think this is crazy now, they just <laughs> dropped off the, the uh, podcast. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, <laughs> yeah. So, um, so walk us through just real quick. Yeah. What exactly were you doing? What were you what was your thought process? And you're like, OK, I'm going to get this guy to pick out certain things and put them in the middle of the floor. And we're going to talk about this. What was your what what were you doing? What yeah. were you doing? Well, and, and I think perhaps. um you're giving me more credit because ultimately the work and like I said earlier like when we can kind of exist in those qualities like 
curiosity, right? So, you know, you have, like, and really how we kind of started was talking about a certain issue, and I asked you to kind of, well, what, could you describe that, right, a little bit more? Curiosity, right? And then I I said, hey, well, can we try something a little different you've never tried before, right? And I I kind of had to invite your imagination to kind of be a part of this process, which essentially was me trying to negotiate with your managers that were kind of saying, this is crazy. Like, this is stupid. What is he doing? Cheesy as hell. And so, you know, when I encounter somebody that is, like, really blended, you know, in their life with managers, um, a lot of times it's helpful to kind of give them a visual, right? Like, a lot of work also includes, and, you know, I think it's probably even just as valuable, or maybe a little more valuable, is when somebody can do that inside themselves, which is called insight access, right? So, uh, but the the externalization of your parts was really kind of a, a practice in which I was helping those manager parts kind of see that there was more than meets the eye, right? Like, there's a family in there. Like, in the way, in a way, just like, you know, if I was sitting with the family, right? right and, and they all came in, and, you know, little Jimmy, he's got this problem where he loses his temper, you know, and then he doesn't listen, right? And the parents are kind of dropping him at the door saying, like, hey, can you help us with little Jimmy, right? A, a, a systems thinker is going to be thinking, well, yeah, we, we want to we kind of find out more about what's going on with Jimmy, you know, what he's feeling, what's going on with him. But there's also a reality that the reason that behavior is there is because there's something else going on in the system right. that's not really supporting, you know, him in a in a way that he may need, right? Right, and so then it becomes like curiosity towards what who's in the room, right? And one of the things that's pretty amazing about um, how Dick kind of discovered this was he was a family systems theorist. Like he he's actually, you know, anybody that has learned something about family systems in an academic world. Dick Schwartz has a book about it. Like, he's kind of one of the gurus of family systems, right? So that kind of paved the way for him to kind of be working with families and realize, like, <laughs> he tells a story of, like, uh, working with these um, individuals that had anorexia, right? And he's like, and we did all this family work, and, you know, they didn't realize they were cured. You know, like, it's kind of like a funny thing he says. But that kind of shifted to talking to the individual kind of people that are dealing with their behavior and he was listening and realizing like they're talking about this kind of stuff going on inside of them and he initially thought this is crazy like that must be this pathology but as he was really kind of curious because he was naturally curious because he grew up the way he did um, he started to discover like oh there are these patterns inside of someone's experience that between these different parts that they're talking about and he would just implement family systems therapy strategies for that person in their system, and it would work. Like, that was kind of the, st- you know, and not only did he realize it was in them, he started to notice that he had parts, too, right? And that's kind of where he started to really explore, like, this uh, kind of internal, in, you know, intrapersonal psychological phenomenon, because family systems theorists don't think in terms of like what's going on individually in the person and that being it, right? Like I said, they're, they're looking at strategies, that how the families have organized themselves. 
and you know working with the families could kind of disrupt that organization in order to create a little bit better interactions right so you know with coming back to what you were saying about your your experience i wasn't really doing anything other than asking you to be curious about what was going on in you and then as i I kind of, I mean, I think I said it like, all right, well, if I could reach in there and pull it out, and it was here, and this is that, you know, desire to do X, Y, or Z, could you look around the room and see if you can find something that maybe can symbolize or represent this part that does this thing for you? And you would, and then I'd ask you, well, how do you feel towards that part? (laughs) And you would be like, oh, I hate that part. (laughs) Right? I was like, oh, okay, so that feeling of, like, dislike to this part. So if we could reach in and get that dislike, the part that dislikes that other part, could you find something that, you know, and then you just told me, right? I was just facilitating what you already, you know, could do for yourself, right? So that's kind of the magic of the model. Like as we get in touch with our self-leadership, self-energy, parts will just relax, right? Because... That's what they they want a leader. They don't want to be leaders. Right. You know, um, Dick would even go so far as to say, like, every part of us is like a child. Some are more sophisticated. Some, you know, more like older. But essentially, they organize like a family would. So, you know, those parts that have kind of taken on more managerial roles, like managing your life, they're really kind of, in a way, like an older sibling. That's taking care of a younger sibling when the parents aren't around, right? And and they take on this responsibility to say, oh, my gosh, if I don't do this, my, my little sibling is going to be in danger, right? And that's kind of where those more extreme kinds of roles happen. And is it possible that – and I'm sorry to ask your question, but is, is it possible to – that um, some of our – would it be firefighter or managerial uh, manager parts could – could actually be like twelve-year-old boys, or you know, eleven-year-old boys. Sure. Like, what is it? What What is it? I forget. I saw. I, I saw in a video that I'm just not an expert. And I maybe I was distracted or something. <laughs> what What um, What is it that would uh, cease the growth of some of those parts? Is it trauma that that ceases growth and they're stuck at that age and they're they're acting and behaving from the viewpoint of that child? Talk to us a little bit about that and how that happens. Right, yeah. So you've heard of the term arrested development? Certainly seen the show. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah, not that not that arrested <laughs> development, even though it's good. But, um, you know, it's like certain parts get frozen in experience. And even though other parts keep going, chronologically developing, like that's when it gets kind of like this model really opens up like a way to understand what's going on inside that manager parts just don't understand, right? Like, so there's always more to the story. Manager parts don't know that all the time, (laughs) right? So if you have a part that, you know, let's say when you were 16 and you stumbled into marijuana and then you had a friend ask you, hey, you want to try this, right? And in that moment, it was like, my world just came open right like that part is frozen there and so anytime you have that urge or impulse it comes back to that that part having 
found something that will cure the pain that you your, your exiles are stuck in, right? And so you just, even though you grow older, you know, that part is still operating in that moment, trying to find that moment, trying to find that experience that will help soothe and take care of that exile. All the while, manager parts are trying to figure out how to take care of that part because, like, they, it's destroying their life, right? And that's why it's, like, really important that they understand, like, hey, that part really isn't kind of with you developmentally. It's still very young. And once parts kind of managers find that out, you know, they really kind of come clarity with that. They're like, oh, well, gosh, that makes sense. I don't want to hurt. I don't want to hurt that kid. I want to help that kid. Right. Right. And and that's where transformation really happens because they step back and and you're able to meet those parts that have been so disruptive in your life, but not from a place of you know, judgment or hatred or hatred because those are parts. It's from a place of compassion and it's a place of curiosity. They were just doing their job. Exactly. That's the job happened to have consequences. And right. Right. When, when, when everybody is on the same page and you can look back at that small child that's scared and cold in the winter and, and, and not be hateful towards it. I'll use hate because I hated all of my parts. When I can look back for the first time at that guy, that child, and see through the eyes of self. Right. And not, not in the eyes of a hateful father who is so disappointed in how you act. That's where the real healing came for me is because there was no condemnation for that guy anymore. There was love for that guy. And when I can love those small, seemingly small children that are in my heart and my mind, when I can meet them with love instead of hatred, the sky's the limit. But I would also say, you know, the manager that was frustrated and hatred filled, you know, hate filled, that part also needs compassion. That part also needs to be invited into connection because it was just trying to do its job. Right. It just didn't understand like what it was trying to do, right? So when you can move into that posture with parts of yourself that you discover are there and they discover you're there, it's like, oh my gosh. Well, it, it how do you. <laughs> <laughs> I can see your parts working real hard. <laughs> I mean, you're not exactly honoring your addiction part when you tell him he needs to sit down for the rest of your life. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, it doesn't work right. oftentimes. It's like, I love you, but you just need to sit down forever. Right, right. right. For, the, for the rest of the time we're here. Well, we don't want to hear anything out of you. Well, no, th I don't think that there's ever a time when there's a, a, a manager that says we don't want to hear from you, right? Like they, or or am I completely like your your addiction and self harm parts? Yeah, and your pornography. Uh, oh, this is a good one. How do you judge? How do you, I need to distance myself from judge? How do you? ascribe a value to what a part is do like the part of you that wants pure good honorable uh, sexual endeavors and then the part of you that wants 
lurid, destructive. I mean, sexual fantasies. I, I don't really. Yeah. You get what I'm saying? Like, how I do you how I do you do. say, okay, you're a part that doesn't need to be quelled. You're a part that needs to sit down. Right, but I think that's a little bit of more of like coming from a manager that's assuming that that part is bad at its core. Like the behavior is its identity. Well, right? I, I so can so I can appreciate that that while not saying that behavior, I mean, I'm trying to think of something that's not sex so that we're maybe more user-friendly for Facebook at large. <laughs> um, I guess the corollary would be... Well, it could be eating. Okay, eating, yeah. yeah. Yes, perfect. That okay. big so fat cake that you're going to stuff in your face. Yeah. I mean, how how do I tell my firefighter that wants a steak, okay, that's fine, and tell my firefighter that wants to eat beignets all day, you need to you need to tone down, big dog. Yeah, well, you know, I would say even that question, if we were to kind of follow the thread to the part that asks that question, it's it seems to be assuming that it needs to figure out a way to manage that firefighter part. And that's where polarizations happen. Well, right? if it is not in turning down some parts, then what is the goal here? So what I didn't continue to mention about firefighters okay. is that even though those parts show up at you know certain times where they're you know probably immature, young, or you know, compulsive experience, right? Those parts are protecting younger parts. Right? So when I said you found the drug at sixteen and it like totally opened your world to like the euphoric feeling that was in an effort to search for something that was going to take care of and like take away the pain of these exiled parts that are carrying these huge burdens and those parts are even younger right so this is where like as you find firefighter parts that do what they do you are curious about why do they do that you ask them Find out, you know, what is it that uh, leads you to do this? And they'll tell you. They'll say, oh, because I want to stop the pain. Okay, well, can you tell my, me My heroin firefighter knows exactly what he's up to. I mean, my, my delauded firefighter mm -hmm. knows. I mean, they're resourceful. Yeah. Right? <laughs> like, they can find something that's, like, really effective. And that's why they're, like, holding it. And they're going back to it when things start to get inside the exiled parts that are carrying those feelings of shame and worthlessness and inadequacy and hate towards themselves, a feeling of like, I don't belong anywhere. You know, those are all burdens that when we experience life outside, externally with relationships and experiences, those things trigger those feelings all over again. And if managers get overwhelmed, because they can't figure out how to take care of this out here, so it takes care of this out here, in here. Firefighters are there. They're going to say, all right, well, I know how to do it. And they will they know. It's like a yeah. fail-safe, right? Like, or a you trap know that door. that will solve the problem. Even though, like, some our managers are like, well, that that's not going to solve the problem permanently. Exactly. It's that just going to be a small thing that's real. By, and the firefighter's like, no, no, no. But 
it will really make us feel good for well, a little while. And the firefighters don't often care about what the managers think when they realize like this exile is about to explode out of us, right? Like there's too much at stake. If I don't do something, this exile will come out and make us look like a fool, right? People will just judge us. How difficult is it for the patient to tease out uh, when they have a they're having a firefighter come to the come to the fore because it's not all the time easy i mean look i know what it feels like to be pining over drugs Mm -hmm. and to want to be high but i mean aren't these things just so ingrained in us that they're often hard to identify um the what exactly are you asking well I guess I, I should. How can I phrase it? Um, like are, if are I you saying the the impulse or the compulsive yeah, uh, yeah, energy? Th- this, like the the, you said in the in the in the in the world we're out in reality, and our exiles are burdened. Mm-hmm. You know, w- something triggers uh, a shame response, shame rejection abandonment she's out of and oftentimes there I mean it's an instantaneous bringing about of a firefighter to extinguish that shame response so Mm -hmm. was your question how do you how do you tease out like if I were meeting with somebody yeah being aware that I'm trying to think of something off the top of my head that makes me feel guilt shame or remorse it sounded like snapping at your children made you feel yeah there we go okay so i feel bad about it mm-hmm. how do i how does how do i or the patient interrupt that uh, rise of a firefighter part that makes me snap at my kids yeah i think it's one i think it's against this is how i do what i do Right, <laughs> I'd sit with people, and they've done some really awful things to other people in their life, right? And when they're in my office, and they're trying to kind of, perhaps even not want to tell me the whole story, because of the shame that they feel, like the my mind, like I have parts certainly that could come up, and are like, oh gosh, scared, you know? Oh man, that guy's, you know, that girl is really messed up. That could be my parts that maybe have that reaction, even though that's not really how my system operates. Not very therapeutic. (laughs) But, you know, I think that my understanding is that behavior is coming from a part that's just scared and it's trying to take care of other parts. And that's why it's doing what it's doing. If I can help that part begin to understand that what it's doing is is actually a heroic thing for these other parts that are very, very vulnerable, right? And, and how I do that is I have to really work with the managers who are pissed off at that part. And they're like, nope, we're not, I'm not letting you go there. Nope, that guy's a jerk. You know, screw that guy. Piece of crap. Yeah. Like, I have, to, I have to be able to help those manager parts. Not me, actually. It's really helping that person begin to recognize this is a part, too. This critic that you feel, like what we were talking about, like, 
and have this real strong criticism that going on inside of you. This piece of crap, you know, that, that is a part. You can take it out. Let's find out more about it. Why does it do that? And it'll reveal, like, there's a part in here that I have to try and get to stop because it'll curious. destroy my life. Okay, so if I can help you by helping that other part, would that be would that be something you'd be interested in? And most, almost all the time, they're going to be like, yes, because they don't like doing what they have to do. It's, it's kind of like, um, you know, I was kind of thinking this, and hopefully this, <laughs> what made sense in my mind will kind of make sense out, out of it. But, you know, it's like if you are a mother, you have a role as a mother, right? You're there to take care of your child, manager of that. Right, like that's a normal thing. That's a good thing. If your child becomes deathly sick, that role kind of gets added to, because then you're like, I got to find out what the, what you know, how to how to help my child, and that's a real burden in and of itself. The child is, you know, very very sick. You take on a role that becomes very extreme, and you're like, you know beating down the door of the hospital saying, you've got to see my child. You know, like, that is a part that has kind of developed an extreme response to something that's very, very important to them. That same dynamic happens inside of us. If we have parts that are very young and tender and they're hurting, they feel all kinds of pain from experiences that they've had from childhood, you know, like, you have parts that say, well, I'm, I'm, I want to take care of that part, but they go into hyperdrive to try and do it. And if that, you know, if it, in that <coughs> example of if that child starts to, like, even move into kind of deeper, you know, that's when your, your firefighters are going to come out. That role of firefighters show up, right? All for the sake of taking care of this really vulnerable person, right? So firefighters do the same thing. They just use very extreme and very, you know, unhelpful kinds of ex like behaviors to, like, the rest of the system and to your life. And that's where, if, if you just look at it from, like, what typically most therapy models do is, like, you just look at that behavior and you just think it's kind of just needs to be cut off. Yes. And when you do that, you're really not able to kind of have a more compassionate understanding of what that part's doing and why it's doing it. And then you can't really even actually help it heal. You just stuff it down in this deep, dark corner, and it comes back up. Your managers show up, and they say, this is not good. We need to do something. We need to get rid of this. And and that's when, you know, self is no longer in the building, right? And then you just, you know, you, rest, you walk around, and maybe you have a a mask on that everybody sees, but internally it's like, ah, there's all this crazy Turmoil. chaos. And you're, that manager's like, we can't, we can't show that because that'll lead to the rejection. That'll lead to all the fears that these exiles carry. You know, it's going to be all of our childhood all over again. So we need to, we need to figure out how to keep this hidden and pretend like everything's fine when it's not. And that's when really extreme firefighters show up. Suicide. Those parts come in and say, you know what? If you're not going to get help, I know what will take care of this. And every time I've ever worked with someone who has a suicidal part, they don't want to do it. 
They will as a way to take care of these exiles that are in extreme pain and suffering. And nobody's helping them because nobody knows they're even there. So if someone comes to you who is suicidal, and obviously you have things that you have to do as a professional if that's the case, but say they're suicidal, they, they get some help, and they come back to you, and they're not necessarily suicidal anymore, but you're the first person, hypothetical situation, you're the first person that they talk to after they get out of the psychoid cell. What, what do you tell that person? How do you connect with that person and, and try to help them understand that that firefighter felt as though this was the only option how do you how do you walk them? Do you come from a from a stance of being compassionate? Do you do you come from a stance of just being just overly loving towards them and understanding towards them? Is it like a hard love type of thing? What? How do you with someone that is in that deep dark place? What's the most effective way to help them out of that place using internal family systems? I would say a lot of self-interview, just curiosity, asking them, hey, how was that experience at the hospital? You know, can we, do you want to talk about it? I'd love to know what that was like. And, you know, if, if, they're, if they have parts that are willing to talk, like yours, right, like your managers, even though they're like, this is crazy, I don't know what this guy's doing to us, but they were willing even though they had that objection or resistance, they were willing to let it happen because I, I really do believe it's because they started to have hope that maybe you could help them, not me, but maybe you could help them. Right. And so, like, parts want help, even the ones that say they don't, right? Like, they will put up every obstacle in the way to prevent connection. But deep down behind the scenes, they're like, oh, God, please, somebody see through this and find me if they're kind <laughs> if they're compassionate and if they're like okay with me being messed up the way that I feel right and if you can offer that to someone it's like you know water fre you know living water to their soul right they're ready to let go of the roles that they've taken they're ready to find healing and progress can be made from that place yeah that's yeah, that, that's the only way. If they don't, like, if managers are with someone and they feel like, you know, somebody else's managers are coming at them trying to fix them, they're not going to move. They're not going to budge. They're going to get very much resolve in what they're trying to protect, right? Because there's so much at stake, right? But if you encounter somebody that has a gentleness about them, that doesn't get rattled, like when you talk about stuff that you're ashamed of, it's like, man, okay, I want more of that, right? right? And, and that's oftentimes what ends up happening is, I mean, I think of some of my, like, and I'm, I'm getting emotional because um, the clients that I'm thinking of You know, and this is like my empathy part, <laughs> you know, that's coming in a little bit. But the clients that I'm thinking of that that had 
some of the most extreme destructive behaviors that showed up in my office. And one in particular, I, I can just remember him at that time, like he came in and he was sure that I was going to tell him to leave based on what he had been thinking and some of the parts of him that had impulses. And the, nec- the second time he came back, he said, you know what, I was ready to leave and kill myself had you told me I couldn't be here or there was something wrong with me. And to work with him and his parts in a way that led those parts to know that there was hope. Like, not even outside, but inside. Like, he's radically changed. Like, it's not that he doesn't have his issues or struggles, right? Like, that's not what I'm saying. But internally, the belief that he has is, I, I actually like myself. Right. And that he's not defined by the job assigned to that one part. Yeah, and, and I'll say this too, like he's been sober for I think three and a half years. And he was on like hardest stuff, meth, cocaine, he was seeing prostitutes. I mean he's he was deep in it. So like it makes sense to me why that suicidal part was like, Hey, this is the last draw. If this doesn't work, I've got to take over. Right? And and we worked with that part and that part was like, thank you for not giving up. Like, that to me is not because of me. Like, I was a part of that process and I'm not downplaying that. Like, I facilitated. I, I But the healing part was not because of me, right? Like, that was because he was able to, that those parts were able to feel like, oh, this energy that I'm getting from him is actually in, in me too. Okay, so the feelings that you feel right now, mm-hmm. th- this, is that because you have a manager who was infused with something good that seeks to that expand on that like I mean you yeah you did not have that manager before you had this experience with this young man or this whatever however old he was and or so did you no this part has been with me for a long this time em- this empathetic yeah manager yeah. yeah this part and so now he's been invigorated he's been satisfied and satiated and uh you know, and, and feels like a success. And well, I feel like I'm kind of there's a debate, and this is a debate before I came even between some parts about how much to disclose. You know, how much of my own personal story and history to disclose. And so I'll say this: that the reason that that part comes up with such emotion. is because that part of me also felt like those parts of him at one point. That you were defined by what you thought were the worst parts of yourself. 
the worst behaviors, the worst behaviors and impulses that came. Yes. And the shame that was just heavy on my system and through the work that I've done with my, my so many different ways that I've worked to try and help kind of gain that clarity and connection with these parts of me, like they don't feel that shame in the same way that it, you know, once was like, I, I mean, I, I totally, that part totally understands what might be, have been going on <coughs> within that man's system. And when it sees like, wow. And it's almost like shocking in a way that like, this actually works. Like, and, and we didn't have to like carry the load. Right. That's, that's kind of one of the things that completely draws me to IFS because I have parts that will just be willing to take on, take on, take on. And until like, ultimately I'm being crushed inside, but everybody else is taken care of. Yeah. Right. And th that's motivated by that shame. Right. And if those parts weren't ever to get relief from that responsibility that was, you know, they feel in my system, like I wouldn't, I would never be able to be able to disclose anything because I had hi parts that would hide. You know, like worried about like what people are thinking of me. What you know, and, and to truth be told, if it, my wife knows this so much like about my system because we talk about it, I talk about it with her. Like she has been self. Through a lot of my parts. that ended up being kind of the way to self in me. So I think that's kind of coming back to one of your questions earlier about like, what would you say? What would you do? It's, there's kind of a, a um, mantra, I guess, in IFS communities. And it's like, to the degree that you're able to be self to your parts is the degree you'll be able to do that to other people. In, in their parts, right? So if if I don't if I don't show up, and my manager that wants to manage somebody in order to help them, like that's not going to do it. That's actually going to potentially that they're not coming back to my office, right? They're going to be like, that was terrible. Like I don't want to feel that again. And that guy could be like, well, this is what you need to do. This is like this is how you need to do it. And if you don't do it this way, you're never going to get better. Is that type of type kind of a obviously maybe not that extreme but do, do you remember well, there, there are people like there are therapists that operate strictly from their managers right like and that's not are managers are not bad that's what i want to make sure and clarify right 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 like that probably is more reflective of something going on in them that they haven't really addressed right and and it's manifesting projecting onto you and that's just how it works I mean we will project you know when we don't have a lot of healing or clarity like we will try and control and and I'm sure you've seen this a lot in your recovery right like you go to a meeting and you have people that are there trying to give you advice and they don't even know you right. and they've heard you talk for five minutes and they're like hey man you know I need you you gotta yeah we, we try not to do that but it does happen Right, and that's because parts in them do that same thing inside of themselves in their system, right? Same thing with critics. 
right? Like if we have a really harsh internal critic and it'll come out, that's really like a, a signal that says, wow, that person really has to deal with that all the time. I can walk away, but that part stays with them and it will, I'm sure, wear them out when they make mistakes or when they do something that that manager thinks they shouldn't have done because it's if they did it, you know, that's going to bring shame if people find out. Right? Does that make sense? Absolutely. How do you feel about that exercise we were talking about? Well, let's do it. Do you want to do that yeah. exercise? Okay, ladies and gentlemen, we are going to illustrate what real-life application would look like if you're game with this, down with the exercise. Sure. Um, Mr. Schwartz did this um, on uh, one of his uh, – it's on YouTube. You can check it out. And um, it it's illustrates – and shows how, um, well, we'll just let you take it. <laughs> we'll let you, you're the professional here. Sure, sure. Take it away, Brandon. Yeah. Well, so, um, yeah, Drew, so I would, I, I mean, I think it just starts with, like, giving you the floor. Like, if you were to think about something that maybe you want us to target or focus on, um, I'll, I want to kind of go where that it feels safe to go. I know that there's watchers <laughs> and listeners and there's vulnerability here, so I want to make sure we're very... So I am hyper-opinionated mm -hmm. about the things that I think that I know. Mm -hmm. And I'm uh, dogmatic about some things. Mm -hmm. So how would I address being a little more understanding? Yeah. Well, so I'm not saying I think that I know everything, but if it's about something that I feel like I know, then I'm I'm unyielding about it. Sure, sure. Yeah, so so there's kind of this um energy or this kind of impulse or um passion around kind of not only learning what is right, but also kind of making sure that's kind of known when there's an opinion that really ma matters to you. Yes. Okay. Yeah. So when, what would it feel like if you were to kind of almost U-turn, what the model calls is U-turn, right? So instead of U, it's a U-turn. So what would it be like if you were to just take a second and see if you can kind of just notice inside how that part kind of shows up for you. Like, is it a feeling? Is it a sensation that you can notice from your body? It's almost like a drive to point out what I feel is mm -hmm. poor behavior. Yeah, yeah. So, so if you could, where, like, in your body do you feel that Here. drive? Okay, yeah, so... How would it feel to just kind of focus on that and see what you notice? Would that be okay? Right this minute or when I feel the compulsion to <laughs> well, point right. out someone's poor behavior? I think I'm referring to right now, right okay. this minute, yeah. And what am I doing? That drive okay. that you were talking about that you feel inside. Just see if you can find it and then just take a moment to kind of just see what you notice about it. Uh, 
think it wants to be let out and it wants to be it wants to express itself yeah okay great yeah so you kind of notice it's like feels like it needs to kind of come out yeah okay great so how do you feel towards that that drive right now in this moment well right now i feel like i wish i could just tell it just sit down yeah yeah so there's kind of this response that comes up that says gosh just get that guy to sit down yeah like he's not that important okay <laughs> wow okay so kind of feeling this drive that it's not that important How, is there a way that you could kind of just find that part that's kind of saying hey just sit down don't you know i need that part to be maximized just some but in the moment so i'm mainly thinking about like this my wife and kids are going to get the, the brunt of this because that's who I'm around the most. And, you know, I just want them to do what I want them to do. Right. That's the drive. Right. And and, and it it's not like, I, I mean, I tell myself, it's not like I'm trying to be controlling. Like, I legitimately know that I'm right about this. Like, yeah. the behaviors that y'all are doing are bad. And right. I've made similar bad choices. And I can... I have found a way out of this, and yeah. I just don't understand why you're not on board with what I'm saying. Right, right. So you you really want to help them avoid mistakes and consequences. And consequences that yeah. yeah, so so that's why the drive is there. That's why it's like very, very important that it comes out and corrects because it doesn't want to seem in like hurt yes. or failure. Yes. Yeah, does that make sense to you? It makes perfect sense to me. Yeah. So is there a way you can kind of let that part know you are hearing it and you understand why it does what it does now? I do. I can tell it. Yeah. So how do you feel towards it now? I mean, I mean, there's a part of me that appreciates that that part, while having an admirable end and desire has caused more problems vis-a-vis -vis my relationship with wife and kids than it has solved. Right. So maybe right this second I'm a little bit irritated with it. <laughs> well, I, I hear that you actually feel kind of appreciation towards it that maybe some other part kind of still comes in and says, get that guy to sit down. We don't like him. Yeah. He's causing problems. Is that right? Yes. So is there a way you can just turn to that part? And does it make sense that that part's upset because of the consequences? Maybe yeah, sometimes? yeah, I get that. So can you let that part know you, you hear it? I hear you, you too, it? man. Yeah. How does it respond? Uh, I, don't, I don't know. It's almost like a no response? No response. Yeah, okay. Yeah, so that... Can you just maybe see... Because sometimes, you know parts are so focused on other parts that they don't necessarily think they can like look to see if you're there can you see if that part maybe is so focused on this other part that it may not even notice you're talking to it I'm trying to get the attention of the part that wants my know-it-all part to sit down right right yeah he, that that part told us 
told you and you told me that it gets upset because it experiences this other part's drive in a way that then causes consequences that it has to deal with when it didn't actually yes, do it. Yes, yes. Okay. He feels a little bit appreciative of... Yeah. Okay. Great. Yeah, so if there was a way for you to help him or it by helping this drive part. Okay, because I'm getting a little bit confused, I am in my mind visualizing the part that wants to tell my wife and kids what they should do Mm -hmm. as balloons trying to shoot out of a box. Great. And then I've got this other thing that's just trying to close the lid. So we've got lid closing part and exploding balloon part. Okay, great. So, so it sounds like maybe there's even another part here that wants to make sure that that we feel like we're on the same page. Yeah, th- I have a part that operates all the time that yeah. wants order and yeah. out of chaos. And well, I would want that part to hear that I appreciate that part. Cause I, I appreciate that. He's <laughs> one of my favorite parts. <laughs> right, right. Well, I it love it him. It actually really <laughs> is helpful, too, if. Maybe he loves logic me. and reason and yeah. everything I think is good and right in the world, and yeah. he seeks patterns. And so, what is it like for that part to hear you say, "Man, I love that part." He knew I loved it. <laughs> he already <laughs> knew I did. Right, right. Yeah, <laughs> he and I go way back. We're old friends. That's great. Yeah. He's he's my favorite part. He gets the most work, and he is tireless his efforts wow. to it's a good part to have yeah yeah man so he's he's the david goggins <laughs> of my parts <laughs> so is that part aware of this kind of conversation that he's always there he's, he's always ready there. to go always aware. here trying to make sense out yeah. of everything and so to how does that part feel towards the drive part the balloon no 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 the, the one that's kind of trying to keep uh, order the lid closing part the one that's trying to keep my know-it-all part okay sure yeah how does uh, that how does that part like what would it tell you about how it exp- like it feels toward this drive part well the the part that that looks for order out of chaos and a way to outline the world and to mm-hmm. observe patterns and to find stability and and is that the lid closing part? No, that w- that's another part. That's just another part. Right, right, right. So that yeah, that's what I, I wanted to ask that part. How does it feel towards this drive part? Okay, we've got we've got the David Goggins part. <laughs> yeah, we've got the the balloons lid. shoot. Yep, bur- helium filled balloons bursting out of the box. Mm-hmm. That is my desire to tell my wife and kids what to do. Correct. And then I've got the part that's trying to close the lid on the box that is trying to make sure that it doesn't cause consequences. Yeah, there aren't consequences from the balloons exploding. Is it is it clear to both of these parts, the lid closer and the drive part, that they actually are trying to do the same thing? No, I was thinking of the lid closing as I don't need to if I can keep this box closed, then I won't create more chaos for David Goggins to try to sort out. Right. That the exploding balloons create too many unknown variables that my 
David Goggins part would have to make sense of. Gotcha. So the David Goggins part is kind of able to see everything. Yeah, he's big picture oriented. Mm -hmm. What can I do to help Drew the most? Drew seems to be naturally attracted to things that are logical and sensible and so when Matt Park thinks of Drew how old does he think Drew is I don't don't know that he's ever thought about that yeah well he thinks about you right right thinks about Drew so who does he think who does he think what does he think about when he thinks about Drew well, he knows that Drew likes order and the comfort that comes from repetition and predictability. Okay, so he he kind of thinks that you are reliant on him to kind of bring those things to bear. Yeah, he knows we li- we like each other <laughs> a lot. <laughs> right, right. Like he's my go-to guy. Like, what can I learn? Like, he's all the time thinking, what can I learn and how can I arrange this information in Drew's vast store of data so that it is the most beneficial to Drew as a whole? Right. So what what might he need from you? Uh, he needs a constant stream of new data mm-hmm. to analyze and assess and to determine which behaviors yielded net good results and which behaviors did not and then to figure out which future behaviors need to be grown or magnified and which future behaviors need to be mitigated wow that's a lot that he has to be responsible for it seems like yes yeah yeah so if it what happens if he doesn't get what he needs from you then there's chaos and there's noise in the Where's the algorithm? Chaos? Where does the chaos come from? I guess from a sense or feeling of uncertainty and fear. Mm-hmm. Is it his fear, or does that fear come from somewhere else? I think it comes from somewhere else. Yeah. So does that make sense? Like, if if the job that that part has is to keep order in order to manage fear of other parts. Yes. It's a very important job. What happens if it chaos comes and that fear is front and center? What happens then? I mean, I can I can tell from my you know, assessment of past behaviors that when too much fear uh, is present, then aberrant behaviors Uh, bad firefight firefighters come and cause even more problems right so like too much fear too much anxiety too much uncertainty too much self-doubt too much uh whatever drew you know drew likes drugs right system likes (laughs) drugs right so that part is saying perhaps if i'm hearing it correctly what's at stake for him to do the job he does by keeping things orderly is not just the fear, but what the fear provokes. Yes. And then if that is provoked, all hell will break loose in your life. Well, I mean, you know, it's, it, it's, a, it's a system. 
Right. You know, the the more David Goggins works to bring order and uh, homeostatic balance to Drew's life, the less fear there is. The less fear, the less chance that, you know, Drew does drugs or messes yeah. his life up in some other fashion. And, you know, we just kind of maintain that. Right. So does that ever kind of get tiring? It is a lot less tiring than a life of active addiction or oh, active yeah, for sure. acting out. So Right. So it, it, it kind of weighs what's in the balance and says, well, we need to do this. Yeah. If, that, if it means not that. Yes. Right. Yeah. So. But he hadn't always been that effective. I mean, <laughs> you know, it, it took some practicing to get there. Right. Well, what was it that helped that him feel more confident? Ooh. Um, I think realizing some of the benefits of recovery in general. I mean, one of my mother and I often reflect on how, like, I was living in Hattiesburg, and like, I got a driver's license, and I called her, and I mean, I was the happiest thing on earth, you know, like, I got a driver's license. It's like you're a grown ass man. You should you should have been done had a driver's license, and I got a checking account, and you know, and I caught this is calls for much celebration in my family and it's like you know there's a part of me that's like you should have had a checking account son yeah that part sounds a lot like your mom well my mom was was not the one saying you should have had a checking account she was the one saying i'm so proud of you you're the greatest thing that's ever okay gotcha sorry i missed that yeah so there was somebody though saying that to you oh there's always that naysayer that's in there that part that says so you should have been done fix this what you should have never gotten yourself into this problem you should have right but that firefighter gets a lot of work too right it sounds like there's just a lot of parts that are really working to kind of keep things from like annihilation or messing up your life well I I mean though in their in survival some of those yeah, well, is there a way that you can just take a moment and see if you can let all these parts know that are kind of sharing, like that you're sharing for me? See if they might know that you're hearing them too. I mean, I'm, I'm trying to reach the parts that I don't, because there are some parts that I know are there, but like they're there all the time. I mean, you've got the, the self-doubt part, the, Is that the part we're trying to get to? Like, I know he's there. I mean, yeah. I wish he would shut up. But so you know, maybe, maybe this is what's happening. I, I'm. Would you say that there's a, maybe a a part somewhere that's trying to figure out what's going on? There, he's always there. He's <laughs> always figuring stuff out. So or is, trying to. Is there a way that you could ask that part if it would just be willing to give you a little space? I like him though. Yeah, we're not asking him to leave. Okay. This isn't a like scolding. Okay. This isn't he's not in trouble. No, no, no. This he, I mean, he can be in the room. Like we're not telling okay. him to leave. I'm just asking if he would be willing to kind of pull his curiosity out of your consciousness for a moment. Okay. And just see if he's able to do that. I mean, he says he is, but I don't know if that's true. <laughs> that's okay. I don't know Again, if he's actually doing it. Does or it not. make sense to you, Drew, that? that part 
because of the role it plays. I mean, he's a necessary component. Exactly. So it would be really hard for him to kind of step back and trust somebody else, such as yourself. That's why it's maybe difficult for him to step back and give you a little space. I mean, I feel like Drew's true self in the high, uh, FS system mm-hmm. is more of the you know, what I jokingly call you know the David Goggins part, the guy, you know, the one that seeks balance and order out of chaos. Yeah, that part really does believe it's you. Yeah. Yeah, so can you just acknowledge it in some He's way? He's not me. He's not you. No, okay. that's a part. David Goggins' part. He's a part. Yeah. So you kind of—it almost sounds like you're kind of having to kind of simultaneously kind of talk to parts, like the yes. one that's trying to figure this out. I've sensed that he's asking the questions and trying to figure out, and then the David Goggins part is there, kind of trying to take that information and figure out how to use it to kind of keep order. Right, so both of these parts seem allied. Right? Yes, they work together. They like each other, right? So, uh, yep. can you just draw their attention to the fact that you're watching this and you're interacting with them? Right? They're interacting with each other. I'm visualizing this that yeah. they're not the center of the the round table. I mean, they're, they're off to the side, and I'm at the head. Self is at the head of the table. Well, even that, Put like, I I, I, I want to just. Just see if you can, just see if they'll notice that you're listening to them. I think they recognize that they work for the organization. So how do you feel towards both of these parts? I I love them. I I like what they do. I appreciate them. Yeah, can you let them both know that? I appreciate y'all. I do. I mean, I'm not being funny. Just see what that's like for them to actually feel your appreciation for a moment. They work so hard and they're trying to keep things together. They do work hard and they feel they they appreciate that self appreciates them. Yeah. So if they were able to feel more connected through this appreciation of them and they were able to feel through your presence in the midst of what they're doing. Like they can keep doing what they're doing. Not I'm not asking them do anything different. I'm just inviting them to consider that while they're doing what they're doing, you're right there too. And you you like them. Is this to generate more of a team building <laughs> idea or it's it's just so that they begin to recognize that they're that they're not you and that you like them, right? You appreciate them. Because it feels nice to be appreciated. It right? does. It does. So I think they, they felt a wave of dopamine wash <laughs> over them. <laughs> right. Right. So, if that if that feels like maybe something that they're um, wanting, is that something you'd want to try and give them? That appreciation and recognition of what they're doing and how hard they're working. I think they felt some appreciation yeah. for being appreciated and acknowledged that you know they have good intentions you know like they're trying to provide what they determine to be a valuable right job for the the network here yeah and and they know that you see that too yeah and that feels nice yeah so that might be something you'd be willing to try and give them 
more efficiently, like recognizing them. Do all the parts need an increase of appreciation? Well, I'd maybe ask that part that's asking that question if it could feel that same appreciation you just are offering. Would it like that? Well, I'm remembering hearing Daniel talk about, you know, the, the parts are here to serve and they are offering up a role as a protector. And, you know, he's kind of run through how it works and he recognized that, hey, I appreciate what you're doing or I right. I don't I don't judge what you're doing as bad. I just say, hey, I've got this, you know. Right. Yeah. Uh, and, and, and I appreciate like. There seems, you know, to be kind of an awareness tracking with kind of other stories that that this part perhaps is the um, David Goggins part, maybe. Well, I was thinking more about the part of, you know, my self-doubt part, oh, my hypercritical yeah, yeah, yeah. part. Well, we haven't gotten to those parts, right? Okay. And uh, and I'm not thinking that that's where we want to go today. What I'm just trying to see is if those parts liked feeling appreciated they and did. recognizes. They did. Would you want to continue to help them feel that from you in the f in the future moving forward? Yes, yeah, I would. Can you let them know that? I'll tell them. Tell them. And whether they're open to that in the in 5 minutes or 20 minutes, you know, that's not what we're trying to There's a part of me that wonders why they would ever not want to feel <laughs> appreciated. Right, exactly. Parts want self when they feel it. You know, and then when they really experience it, encounter it, right? That's kind of what's happening. So we're not trying to solve or fix anyone. You know, we're not even trying to get to the problems or whatever you know, might come from the drive part. We're, we're just following the thread. And these parts really work hard for you. And they do a lot in your life. Right? Yeah. I didn't think about it like that. They do. And so we just want to appreciate them for what they do. Right? There's no gimmicks. There's no strings attached. It's just simply thanking them for their service. Yep. And that you're going to continue to do that when, when you're able, when you're let down. Right? Because sometimes that's kind of what we've worked on, right? See, this is what I think is so interesting about this. And this is another brick in my brick wall of everyday organization and operating. Mm -hmm. Like, I think when you invited me to acknowledge some appreciation for those couple parts. Like I think the whole system felt a little more gratitude and a little more Yeah. Well those parts rose colored glasses e yeah, about life. This is my presumption. It could be completely wrong, but just based on what I've heard they do, every part knows about them. They're the boss part. Yeah. So like if they feel better <coughs> whole system kind of takes a deep breath, right? Yes. Yeah. So that's just kind of acknowledging that too, just in whatever Well, those parts doing. that seek order and I mean, I know I keep saying that order from chaos and mm -hmm. stability, they, they thrive on things that make us all feel better, all of our parts. And so right. they found something that works. Right, yeah. Which is being acknowledged and so now those parts are telling me hey you need to acknowledge everybody again <laughs> and yeah you know, infuse the system with right well and that comes dopamine back and serotonin and, and that comes oxytocin. back to those parts role right like they're constantly looking 
or ways to kind of uphold the system in a good way. Yes. And when they find something, it's like the whole system feels it, right? And yeah. And that's where you know what we're talking about is not trying. Well, to all boats go up when the water goes <laughs> up. <laughs> right. Exactly. Right. So you're just trying to help them feel your appreciation because you do appreciate them. It's not a gimmick. No, I do. I do. I legitimately do. Right. So if they were to feel that like more frequently, would that also help the rest of the parks they're, they're kind of managing? Or they take it absolutely of? would. So would that be something that they would be open to and you would want to? Of course. So that's, that's kind of what we're, we're here to do. It really is a fascinating, interesting you, way. I was sitting here crying, like I, I saw like lights coming on, and like you were like, oh, and that's what happened to me. Like that's exactly what happened to me, dude. It, it's an interesting way of of visualizing your, you know, the, the composite that is your mind and your yeah personality and well, and and I want to just say I really appreciate like you being willing, right? Like you being willing in here in front of an audience to really kind of, even though it, it may not have felt super vulnerable, maybe it did, I don't know, but it was to me vulnerable because I was getting to know some very important parts of your system, right? And and that said, like people that maybe are watching, you know, there's not like a one way that people experience their parts so there might have been people watching this, and they're like, that's not how – that doesn't work for me. Like, I don't know how that works. That, that's okay, right? I just want that to be spoken because, you know, some people really – I mean, and this is maybe Dick, – Dick Schwartz talks about, like, his internal system. Like, he doesn't see anything. He doesn't, like, really feel, like, a lot of body sensation stuff. It's all kind of activity in his head is how I've heard him talk about it, right? There are some people that have these huge, vivid imaginations that, like, in a moment I ask them to go inside, they're like, oh, yeah, and they just start describing this incredible kind of internal world, um, or at least incredible to some of my parts, <laughs> right? And then there are other people that, like, really just have sensations in their body. And when they go to talk to a part, the part doesn't use words, right? It's like, it's almost like osmosis <laughs> in a way. Uh, and so, like, that's a really important aspect of this because you could, like, even in this, you could, your parts could be watching this and walk away discouraged. They're like, that, that doesn't, that's not me. There must be something wrong. That's so strange to me because the whole thing, the whole sense I've gotten from, internal family systems is hope and a lack of judgment and uh, right right i mean it, it appealed to my sense of of order and everybody gets a place and we right. recognize it and we don't judge it and we mm -hmm. yeah and 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 that's the thing when burdens start to be unloaded our parts like not just the exile you know it's kind of like that analogy i used earlier if that child goes and gets a clean bill of health there's healing there there is a, a a potential shift in in that mom 
It doesn't mean that she doesn't have a part that's like, oh my gosh, when's this going to come back? Right? But it is a shift in that they can kind of take a breath. Right? And, and so that's kind of an example of like when parts become unburdened, they begin to s- like shift back to more of a natural state. The, the, those parts we were talking with um, for you, those parts are probably very naturally organized, very naturally able to kind of help you. So it's kind of like those kinds of managers, I often try to like kind of put it in terms that maybe make sense to those managers. It's like those parts are like the CEO of your yes. system, right? And when self comes in, it's not trying to buy them out. It's inviting them to say, you know what? I'll take the responsibility and you can become a consultant. And your information that you can offer me is just as valuable. It's a benevolent merger. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, and usually those parts that have had the most weight to carry, when they're given that permission and they begin to believe that like you can actually do the job, maybe even better than they can, that's maybe where they get to. That's when they're like, yes, I want to retire. Know, and even just hearing you t- describe that, like I'm thinking about my David Goggins part and how he's great and all, but he's so rigid that he prevents other parts from acknowledging new ways of belief or new, you know, the welcoming of new information mm-hmm. that might challenge him in some fashion because yeah. it's uncertain. Right. Which fa- like flies right back into the fear that so great, <laughs> yeah, so good. I told you, bro. <laughs> so good. Told you, man. Uh, well, we don't want to take up too much of your time. You've already been here for like eight hours, and it's man, thank you like so much. But yeah, hold on, welcome. before we go, um, let me talk into the microphone mic here. Um, so, would you be willing to um, let people know where you work? And how they could get in touch with you at the office, perhaps. Uh, yeah. Or I'll, I'll I'd be happy to do that. Okay. Um, so I am a co-owner of Watershed Counseling Associates in Jackson, and um, I practice there, obviously. Um, and so, if you reached out to me, it, this is where I have a part that's like. Sure, and don't do anything that any of those parts are going to be like, no, that was a bad idea. No, 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 that's not that's not where I'm going. Okay. This this part is, has hesitation because I currently, like, it's going to be a few weeks before I can get new people in. Sure. And so, like, if people are really needing help and they hear this and they're like, please, yes, and they call and they're like, you mean I have to wait, like, six weeks or five weeks? You know, like, that's going to kind of, lo- like, that's not going to feel good. So that part, I think, wants me to kind of <laughs> indicate that. Not not to, like, boast myself up or anything, but seriously just for the sake of those people that maybe have listened and they experienced something that feels really nice. They're um, curious. Yeah, yeah. So um, I would be happy to work with anyone that I meet with, right? So um, that, that caveat was not to just deter okay. people away, but... Um, there are other practitioners. I know that on the promotion, you guys said that like I was one of the only, and that's true. I mean, there's not many certified IFS people in the area, but there are others. Um, and so perhaps um, 
I can give you those names as well, maybe, and you can put them online, maybe. Yeah, I, if um, what we'll do is, um, if you will text me those um, those contacts and uh, information and websites, phone numbers, whatever, and I will go ahead and add that to the recovery resources tab page on recoverylabllc.com. Okay. If that works for you. Okay. Um, all right, great, man. Dude. Thank you. Yeah. Appreciate Glad to be here. It. That was awesome. That appreciate was absolutely you. incredible. All right. My parts here we go. appreciate you. We got to play where we 